This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. In this current COVID reality, we're focusing on all the ways that we can stay flexible, adaptable, and agile so that we can impact our rapidly changing world for the sake of the gospel. We're all in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. This is Jimmy Scroggins at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. We are now doing a special live recording at the Church for the Rest of Us conference. And I'm here with my co-host, as always, Leslie Bennett. Also some special guests with us, uh, Grant Gaines, Aaron Harvey, Noe Garcia, and Jonathan Aiken. So welcome to the podcast. And let's just take dive right in and take a minute to introduce yourselves. So let's start with you, Noe. Just tell us who you are and what church you're representing here tonight. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Noe Garcia, and I'm the senior pastor at North Phoenix Baptist Church. How long have you been there, Noe? It'll be five years in May. And are you a single man? Am I a single man? Yes. Absolutely not. My, <laughs> my, my beautiful wife is back there, uh, and that's how you know I'm a righteous man because I'm married way out of my league. There you go. So, uh, yeah. Like every good man at the table. Right. How about you, Aaron? That's awesome. Hey, my name's Aaron Harvey, senior pastor of Highview Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. All right. I'm John Aiken. I work for the North American Mission Board and interim pastor at First Baptist Church of Naples, Florida. Now, First Baptist Church of Naples, Florida, has there been any controversy or anything happening? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm Grant Gaines, uh, senior pastor of Bel Air Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Yeah. Well, it means so much to us that you guys are here to be with us. And um, let, me, let me just ask some questions, some things that I think would help all of us learn about um, how to serve the Lord better in our own context. And the whole idea for the Church for the Rest of Us conference and podcast is that we're not trying to give ideas or strategies that can only be accessible to churches of a, of a certain size or of a certain budget or people of a certain talent level. We want to talk about ideas and strategies that could be accessible to and scaled to any church and so that anyone could take what we're talking about and um, take the resources they have in their own context and, and and do it. So that's the whole idea. So let's start with you, Grant. Grant, I know you because you're, you're passionate about evangelism. Your whole family is, and then you've just taken it to another level. And uh, you have been intentional about creating a culture of evangelism in uh, your church I just love to know in this kind of COVID, post-COVID environment, I want to know if you're thinking differently about evangelism or how this kind of whole process that we've all been through the last 10 months or so has has impacted the way that you try to teach or practice evangelism in your church. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, to start off, we have uh, adopted a really good tool for evangelism. It's called the three circles. And that is such a good tool, man. I'm so glad you brought that up. (laughs) We really like it. And uh, but we've used that a lot. But but you know, for me, it hasn't changed a ton. Um, I think the the kicker for me, what really uh, the switch that flipped in my mind and my heart for me and my own personal life when it comes to personal evangelism was when I committed that I was going to try with God's help to share the gospel with a lost person at least once a week outside kind of the pulpit preaching ministry situation. Um, and so for me, part of what I want to do in creating a culture of evangelism in my church is to see how many more people can I recruit to do the same thing. Um, and I think you can do that. You know, we've, we've been trying to do that in, um, during the pandemic as well. And one of the things we do to train our people to, 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 to share the gospel that way 
uh, is not only how to reach their their oikos, you know, their household, their sphere of influence, but also we'll we'll do door to door evangelism. Now that has changed a little bit during the pandemic. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'll be honest, you know, we we'll uh, we've still done it some, and we'll go with masks on and uh, gift bags in hand and distanced away from people. And you know, 2020 has been such a crazy year, not just with the pandemic, but with everything that we'll start um, just by introducing ourselves. Hey, we're the church down the street, uh, the close proximity to our building. We're just out praying for people in the neighborhoods around our church. We know it's been a really tough year. You know, how can we be praying for you? Um, and nine times out of 10, we're very well received. Even in, in the middle of the pandemic, when we've done it, have been really well received. Um, and that's not necessarily like the most fruitful evangelistic thing we do. But one, it is one of the most fruitful things in terms of building excitement about evangelism in our church because you take along people people with you. Uh, I led a person to Christ um, uh, not long ago. I had two college students with me standing there watching the whole thing, you know, and they came away from that just tears in their eyes, excited, pumped up, and ready to go. And there was no better experience for them evangelistically than that. Um, and so I think doing that and, you know, outside of that part of the whole Share the gospel once a week is start thinking about evangelism like you do the spiritual disciplines. You plan your Bible reading. You plan your prayer times. Why not at the beginning of the week think about where am I going to have that conversation this week? What can I schedule? What coffee uh, can I schedule with somebody? And what, you know, I don't know about here, but the restaurants are still blowing and going in our town. So you can still do that. Uh, Who can I take to lunch? Uh, what's that evangelistic conversation going to look like? And let me go ahead and plot that out ahead of time as best as possible while also looking for those as you go opportunities that, uh, the Lord, you know, that, that you're not planning on. Well, I appreciate that so much. And I think that's such a disarming way to, to even go door to door in a pandemic. I really appreciate that idea and a way of approaching it. One of the things that I think with the pandemic, um, you know, the truth is, even though we do personal evangelism, the truth is, the most effective evangelistic and discipleship tool that most of us have as churches is basically people coming to church and then we win them to Christ. And it's harder now to get lost and unchurched people to come to Christ than ever in our lifetimes. I wonder if you guys are feeling that as well, that the harvest of people coming to church lost feels more difficult right now. Do you guys agree with that or have a different perspective? I mean, Noah, you're baptizing a million people, even in a pandemic. Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds crazy. We have probably grown uh, by about a thousand people yeah. since we have reopened. And that's, no, that's not an exaggerated number. Uh, we have seen about a hundred people saved in the last five weeks. This past Sunday, we just said, hey, let's do something on a Sunday night because something crazy is happening. And we baptized 29 people. Mm-hmm. And um, here's the thing I keep telling my staff. Like, it's, it's amazing to me how many Christians are freaking out about what's because our world's in chaos. Our world's been in chaos since Genesis chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. To me, it's like, what are y'all tripping about? Yeah. He's still on his throne. There's still so much power. Yeah. And everyone's freaking out like, oh, no, how are we going to reach people? Yeah. The same way God's been doing it. Yeah. And so um, his power for, for us in our church and our mentality hasn't changed. Uh, the only reason why we care about the lost is because he cares about the lost. And um, so we found new, we've had to find new ways, yeah. uh, but we've kept the same desperation. And so, um, so we've seen, I mean, COVID's been good to us. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it, man. <laughs> so. No session is tomorrow at 9 o'clock. <laughs> 
Exactly. I love that. And I love how we're reaching new people during this time. And Aaron, you guys are doing something unique. You're actually going to plant a campus Absolutely. pretty soon. So can you tell us a little bit about what's been happening there? Yeah. So obviously, um, it's not a surprise that Louisville for during this past year, especially in the summer, was just really epicenter of a lot of chaos, a lot of disruption and just became really the focus nationally um, with a lot of the conversation that was happening. And man, we were seeing a lot of people trying to come to the to come to the forefront with answers and a lot of interviews. It's amazing. I mean, pastors were interviewed from particular sections of our city. And man, I'm telling you, it wasn't like any, I was like, where's Jesus in all of this? Like, how, how are people coming to know Jesus? I mean, like, who is going to walk into those hard places and bring the authentic, true gospel? And it was just a heartbreaking to watch a lot of things unfold. But just in the midst of that, the Lord began to just stir my heart and to really be to say, like, what are you going to do? How are you going to uh, impact your own city? You talk about the, the nations, which we're all about, and we're in our in, in church planning all over the place. But, man, how are you going to multiply? How are you going to you do it even in the midst of... Most people would say, you know, tough circumstances. And I began to pray, and I just knew that um, as a church planner myself, I knew I needed to, to allow the Lord to raise up the right man and just knew that God was going to provide. And He did. He provided in our own uh, our own church, a guy named Scott Long. We had just had a, just a God moment, a conversation in a car on our way to lunch, and it was just confirming and knew that without a doubt we had to be obedient to the Lord. And, man, it has just created a tremendous just peace and momentum in our church that our vision, like as Noe has talked about, vision hasn't changed, man. Mm -hmm. We're talking about leap people to Jesus and, right. and take steps of faith to do that. And so fulfillment of our vision. And uh, the response has been unbelievable in, in just the way people are, are pursuing uh, the Lord Jesus. So it has been a, a great just uh, honoring of the Lord uh, through our church. I and love I, that, yeah. And I'm so grateful, too, because you guys are taking something tangible and you're trying to do something to address the, like, a lot of the, the tension in Louisville has been, in our nation, has been centered around ethnicity and mm -hmm. race. And you guys are going right at it yeah. with a Acts, uh, Gospel of Acts, you know, Book of Acts-based mm -hmm. strategy That's that right. has been successful in a lot of chaotic political, economic uh, environments. And boy, I just love that about what you're doing there. I think it's well, so powerful. I'll take that encouragement. I appreciate it, bro. So when, when it gets really rough, I'm going to call on you. So <laughs> Ring me up. Man. Well, we already sent you our best. So we already sent you Daniel Scroggins. Well, so he I'm is. Sure. I, listen, that young man, more we no one do. has more of a missionary calling this guy. I mean, he is unbelievable. And uh, he's been such a blessing to our church. Well, you're discipling him, and I appreciate that so much. And Noe, you too lead. You know, you've helped your church really move and lean hard into a multicultural approach and you've really God's used your leadership to kind of change some things there for your church. And I wonder if you would speak, you talked about doing some new things during this season. I wonder if you just speak to that and how that's going. Yeah, absolutely. We probably have the last time um, when I got to the church, I think it was 99% Caucasian and uh, myself and the janitor were the only minorities on staff. And it's kind of, you know, you kind of look and laugh. I'm like, that's typical Southern Baptist church, right? It makes sense. Um, and, and so we got there but I looked at the city and was like, there's a real problem here because the church doesn't reflect the diversity of the city. Mm. Um, and so we just began to take measures to, to really um, an equal playing field. Uh, and so here's what we did. Uh, is this the question you're asking? I'm be sure I'm going on the right track Keep here. Keep going. You're good. Okay. So um, here's what we did. We, we just wanted to, to give the picture of um, anybody and everybody can lead. I think sometimes the church gave the community only half the gospel. And typically it looked like we're going to serve the least of these 
and then we'll see you next year to serve you again. And typically our pictures were um, Caucasians serving minorities in some sense. And so I helped our church to understand. It was pure hearted, but I helped them to understand like, hey, we're, we're sharing a narrative that um, only these people get served, only these people lead. Um, but we're not sharing the entirety of the gospel, what the gospel does. Um, and so we begin to uh, treat everybody like there's somebody equal playing field. And uh, lo and behold, oh, what an treat- idea. Yeah. <laughs> and man, I'm telling you, it, it, it's uh, exploded. We probably have 82 different languages represented now. Uh, we have a Swahili service at a 1030 hour. We have a Swahili service. We have a Spanish service. We have a traditional service. Uh, we have contemporary service. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's been really, really neat uh, to see whoever God brings. We're going to treat them like they're somebody, invest, build them up, and disciple. Uh, we don't only disciple those that we think can benefit our church financially um, or publicly. Uh, we disciple those who are made in the image of God, and, and that's every person who walks in those doors. Amen. Man, that what a great word. And let's see, I know that uh, John here is kind of has a has a really unique season of ministry in his life right now. He sure does. Yeah, interim pastor at First Baptist Church Naples. So, John, what's it like to lead in a season like like a pandemic plus an interim season? So you have some unique challenges. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So the the uh, church that I kind of came into was a divided church and a lot of tension, and then you then you uh, add pandemic on top of that. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think what we heard from each of the guys so far is that any difficult season, you can see it as a challenge or you can see it as an opportunity. And so we, we saw it as an opportunity for us to uh, help get the church healthy, to be what the church is supposed to be. And really, and there's nothing um, magic about this or new. It was, it was going back to what is ministry. It's, it's people. It's, it's relational. Even if you can't during you know lockdown be in the room with somebody, you can be on the phone. And so we we just like literally in, in the church, you know, um, like a lot of First Baptist churches has a bloated uh, membership. But we called every like we called everybody. You mean the, you in know? terms of the the roles, the database. Yes, the, the roles, <laughs> not the people. Yeah, yes. Although I mean, that could be said for a lot of Baptist churches as well. No, no, no COVID problems. No COVID problems. Problem. Um, but so we so we just like we called everybody, and, and one of the things that I kept for for me as the interim pastor, and then for the for the pastoral staff, the other pastors, was just what I was preaching to them is just you, you're at a. Trust deficit with your people. We've got to get into a, 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 a trust. We've got to be able to build trust. The way you do that is just slowly, relationally, uh, having these phone calls, m- these meetings, doing things that that build trust. And you know, we, we've seen that um, happen. So it's just, again, it's just ministries about people and just pouring your your time into people and not uh, so much into programs or I mean, strategies. All those things are good, but. Uh, at the end of the day, we've got to invest in people, and so that's so well really said. Us. So well said about the the necessity of building trust in order to make changes and move a church forward. And Grant, I know you've been at your church for a year and a half, year and a half, and it's a legacy church with a lot of great days mm-hmm. behind it, and we believe a lot of great days looking forward. But you're having to grapple with some of that, so I wonder if you'd comment on the necessity and how, you know, maybe challenges or ways that you're trying to build trust to, to build the fellowship so you can, you know, you can lead the church to do what you think God would have it do. Yeah. I, I think the number one thing that, uh, that builds trust at our church, I don't know if this is true everywhere, is a common vision around the mission. Like my people get really excited about the Great Commission. 
And so if I can say, hey, like when I got there, we went to two services like within a couple of months, which is not typically a change that you should probably do, you know, early, early on. But uh, there was a need for it. It was going to help us reach more people. And they were in a position where they wanted to fulfill the Great Commission. And if, if I could connect the dots for them and say, hey, this this change or this tweak could help us reach more people, help us fulfill the Great Commission, help us bring in a greater Great Commission harvest, then they're, they're all for that. And so I think for me, that's the number one thing that's been helpful is through any change uh, or transition to be able to show people the why. Uh, and even some of the key leaders in our church have said, Pastor, if you can show us why we need to do something, hmm. um, we'll, we'll get on board. Yeah, that's it's been that, true. Well, that's a great point is being able to show people the why instead of why? Because I'm the pastor. Right? That, that's, <laughs> that's, that might have been a good answer at one time somewhere. Right. But it's probably not a good answer in most places now, which kind of, John, goes to your role with the North American Mission Board because you are trying to really reach out to younger leaders, younger pastors, um, connect them with some more seasoned leaders, as you've expressed to me. And uh, I think salty. that's really important. But yeah, nice I know I'm, I'm still kind of salty leader. still kind of butthurt over that. <laughs> and so so anyways, uh, but but I would I would just like you to speak a little bit about that. Yeah. So we one of the things that we saw at the North American Mission Board is that and the illustration we use is if you think about uh, people who are doctors, right, they they go to medical school, but then they have to go through internship, residency. For whatever reason, that's not necessarily the case to be a pastor. You can go, you don't even have to get a seminary degree, or you can get a seminary degree where you just kind of, not all the time, but you can become knowledge puffs up. You can become puffed up, know a lot of stuff, and then you go out to First Baptist, wherever, and you really don't have any tools outside. You, You have theology, you may be able to preach some but you don't have tools to actually like shepherd and lead and disciple and those kinds of things. And so we just kind of said, Hey, you know, if it makes sense for a doctor that he doesn't graduate from medical school and then start surgery the next day, Mm -hmm. like he has to go through where he's being coached and he's being evaluated. That would be really helpful. And we, we, we knew a lot of young pastors that who did have those kinds of experiences. So I, so I was at Highview, I had you and Kevin, uh, pouring into me, giving me opportunity to succeed, opportunity to fail, and then come along and say, okay, why did that fail? And evaluating that. But m- many, many pastors, probably the majority, don't have that. And so I was just like, you know, what we can do is I know a bunch of great pastors, seasoned pastors, not older pastors, but seasoned pastors. I know a lot of great younger pastors who are excited about Jesus and want to reach the world for Christ and who want to be invested in. And so if we can kind of play matchmaker and get these folks together, then it might really be helpful for the kingdom. And so that's what we've been trying to do. And we've seen, I mean, God uh, has really done a great work. And then it, it was just providential, obviously, that we started that two, three months before COVID. And then you have, you know, hundreds of pastors that are being um, not only in their peer group learning from each other, but also the the, the coaches who are coaching them uh, and helping them meet all of these different challenges. And so it's been, it's been really helpful. And can you tell me exactly what is the line for older pastors? Uh, yeah. Seasoned yeah. line. <laughs> seasoned. Um, we, we have a line is over 45. Okay. Okay. That's, that is, that <laughs> no, is, that is seasoned. not biblical and it is arbitrary. Okay. I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. And Aaron, you, you yeah. know, your church is particularly positioned to do a lot of what John's talking about yeah. Yeah. because of your proximity to Southern seminary. Yeah. So I wonder if you just comment on just the importance that you see in your role as for shepherding and your role as a local church part of 
raising up, you know, hundreds of men and Absolutely. women that are going to be leaders for the churches of the world. Yeah, ironically, this past week we were pre preaching on did spiritual leadership out of First Timothy, and um, we did a little, uh, not exhaustive, but just a quick survey of how many guys have we sent out, you know, and we just sent since 2005 and Highview sent out over 150 ministers and missionaries since 2005. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the legacy of Highview being, you know, there with the resource of Southern Seminary, it's a privilege. It's a challenge. Um, I love it. It's one of the favorite things I get to do is to uh, uh, really, in a lot of ways, help young men discover that call that God's placed upon them and to prepare them for what they're going to encounter. And we do this in several different ways. Um, but a lot, but the, big, the biggest one we have, we just, call, we just call Brown Bag Monday. I mean, dudes bring their own lunch and we gather them together. And that's, that's open to any guy in our church who is feeling a call to ministry. And so they get to rub shoulders with our entire staff, uh, whether you're an intern to, you know, executive staff. And it's, a, and, uh, and we just read different things and we just allow practical. That's not about calendar. That's not about events. That's pure ministry talk. And uh, it's been incredibly uh, profitable for us, you know, to dig in people. That's a great idea. So the focus of our conference, as you know, is leading forward in this time. And so we have some great pastors here all leading forward. So I would just like a, pitch, a question to all of you. As you know, we're church for the rest of us. So we're mostly thinking about small and medium-sized churches. So I just want to see if you had one word of advice or encouragement that you could offer at this time to pastors who are listening, what would it be? Start with, Start with Noe. He always gets to go first. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, I would just, you know, I've been trying to tell myself it's a very challenging time. There's highs and lows for, for sure. Um, a lot of staff turnover during COVID too. It's just been a weird year. Uh, but I think for myself personally, you know, all throughout church history and, and throughout the scripture, uh, anytime the church is pressed, the kingdom is expanded. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just a great reminder that God's always going to build his church. It may not look like we think it's going to look like, but as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can guarantee that as, as ministers, um, we don't fight for victory. We fight to victory. It's already done. And so we can walk in confidence in that. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, for personally, for me, I think the I'd give advice and encouragement. First, um, first one is that we've got to stop quarreling, and um, and the biggest one is it, it, we had talking to our executive Blake Hodges who's here with us. Um, I mean, we've been walking through First Timothy three, just walking through personally, just like some some requirements for leadership. And he brought up the just the, I mean, I've been quarreling with everybody in my heart, mm -hmm. and, and I just realized, dude, my Twitter like feed as I'm scrolling through. I've been quarreling with every person in my heart and which breed leads into arrogance in my own heart because I've never lost an argument in my mind. So, I mean, like, you know, I'm like perfect, 100% undefeated, you know, and, um, but I just realized, man, I got to stop quarreling. Like I didn't realize I may not be responding and I may not be, you know, creating a public fight, but in my heart, mm -hmm. I've been creating a ton of conflict mm -hmm. and just, and I didn't like stop being angry. You know, the Lord just really just on me about that. And the second one, man, I just read some testimonies of some great men of God and, Several times they've had encounters with the Lord where the Lord was just showering his love upon them. And they literally were like, stop, I can't take anymore. And I was like, I want to get to that place. I want to get to the place where I'm so falling in love with Jesus. I'm like, Lord, I can't, I can't take anymore. This, this is too much. And I just want to just say, guys, fall in love with Jesus and um, just allow him just to, man, just to meet you where you are and love you. 
Thank you, Aaron. John? Yeah, so I would do an advice and encouragement as well. So the, the advice, and so this is one of the things I've given my staff at First Baptist Naples, and that it's true if you're going through a difficult season in the church, it's also true the pandemic and just the challenges that we're facing as a, as a country, as a convention of churches is, like I said, it goes back to people. The, the challenge in ministry for, for many of us, uh, once we do hit some difficult seasons, is to become cynical and to start viewing people as enemies mm-hmm. uh, and not as sheep that we're called to shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so like, just like love people, don't see them as enemies, don't get cynical, don't see them as somebody who's against you, mm-hmm. um, but somebody that you're, you're trying to, you're, God's put you there to lead them. Right. And I always think about when I think about shepherding, it's like Moses was a shepherd and it took him 40 years to get them from, mm-hmm. and he didn't even get to go. He didn't even get to finish. So like he, he, it, you know, yeah, well, <laughs> they did get there eventually though. <laughs> and so and God, God got the glory. And so that, that's the other thing I would say too, is just as an, as an encouragement is, and we just, to piggyback off what Noe said, that I preached through Daniel this fall just because of uh, knew what we were facing as a country, you know, election, pandemic, all this stuff. And it's like Daniel chapter 2 uh, is this rock, this tiny rock that knocks down all the other kingdoms of the earth and then begins to grow and forms this mountain that fills the whole earth. And so that that tiny rock looks insignificant and it, it looks, it doesn't look like it's impactful but it really is. And that's the kingdom of God that's expanding. And that's what you get to be a part of. And so even if you can't see the growth, it's happening and you get to be part of it. And so be excited about that because Jesus is going to establish his kingdom on earth. That's very good news. All right. Thank you, John and Grant. I think one of the things God's been teaching me, I guess is my encouragement is with all the challenges of the the past year, the very public, uh, racial, political pandemic, Challenges. I think the, the the public witness of the church is being tested right now. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know about you guys, but like my lost neighbors, you know, have been watching us like a hawk yep. to see how we're going to respond to this. My lost, you know, old high school Facebook friends are yeah. going to be watching how I'm handling the politics and how I'm handling the, the racial issues. And I think this is a time for, for Christians to say, hey, we've got a, a unique standard of truth here. That's right. That honestly, if you're holding to it and you're applying it consistently across the board, across the aisle in all these situations is going to make it really hard for people to pigeonhole you and kind of corner you into into a slot because they couldn't do that with Jesus either. That's right. And it's going to be refreshing, mm-hmm. I think, for your lost lost friends and, and lost neighbors when they see, oh, this is this is unique. This is not what I thought Christians, the way they would respond to these things. Yeah, well, I so appreciate all the wisdom that you guys are willing to share. Thank you for joining us on the Church for the Rest of Us podcast today. Uh, thank you to our live audience. Thank you guys for being a part of this tonight. It means a whole lot to all of us. And we're looking forward to the rest of the Church for the Rest of Us conference tomorrow. And uh, if you're one of our listeners and there's any way that we can help you, we'd love for you to reach out to us on email, uh, reach out to us on social media, connect with us because we'll do anything we can to help you and your church do the best you can with the resources you have in your church right now, because that's what God is calling every single one of us to do. This is Leslie Bennett, Jimmy Scroggins, Grant Gaines, Aaron Harvey, Noe Garcia, and John Aiken. This is Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog 
We want to hear what you're doing so that we can all learn from each other. We're in this together. We are church for the rest of us. Until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, staying flexible, adaptable, and agile, all for the sake of the gospel. <laughs>